You know, one of the greatest causes of stress in life is when you go through a major transition. Think about some of the transitions that you've had to go through in life. Maybe losing your job. That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, uh, when, last time I checked, when you lose your job, you don't lose your bills. Um, make it a little bit easier if you did, right? You know, but you still got the mortgage payment, the rent payment, whatever. You still got electric bills to pay. Uh, the, the kids and your family still want food for some reason, you know. And, and so, but you've lost your job, and so you've lost your income. And it makes things difficult. It makes things tense around the house. And I think most of us, if not all of us, have been there before. Or you start a new job. That can be a source of stress. Uh, you know, will the people there like me? Will I do a good job? Is this going to be fulfilling in my life? You know, you have questions like that. If you've ever had to move to a new city, that, that can be a source of stress as well. I mean, there's some people here that you've lived in Lubbock all of your life or in the Lubbock area all of your life. Maybe you lived in a, a new house, but you really haven't had to uproot yourself. You've been able to build those deep roots that, that are beneficial to you. Uh, but if you've ever had to move completely to a new city, a new state, and start all things over, that can be pretty tough. You know, growing up, my dad was an air traffic controller, and every time he got, a, he got a promotion, we got moved to a new city. And so when I was five weeks old, we moved from uh, Fort Worth to Houston. I don't remember that very well, but uh, that's what I'm told. And then at age two, we moved to Lake Charles, and then from Lake Charles to Oklahoma City, and back to Lake Charles, and then back to Houston. And by the time I was in third grade, we finally moved to Lubbock. And we were here for a long time, five years. And then, uh, so, you know, by that time, you know, I'm in eighth grade, and I've got my friends at school, I've got my friends at church, and, and uh, we get the news, we're moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I honestly thought to myself, well, that's not, that's not so bad, you know, Six Flags is there, that's important. And so, uh, you know, and it'll be easy for me, because I'm sort of used to it, it'll be an old, sort of old hat. But it wasn't easy. You know, in eighth grade, trying to be the new kid in school, Everyone's already got the people that they hang out with, and so who do you hang out with, you know? And trying to find a new church, trying to get established in a new area, that's, that's, that can be sort of difficult. And that has nothing compared to those of you that might have been military kids growing up. You know, I've known some military kids, they move every single year or more than that. And by the time they graduate from high school, they literally have very few friends because they just haven't spent much time in one area. Moving to a new place can be a real source of stress. The death of a loved one, that's a tough one there. That's a, that's a real tough one because you don't know when those very deep, intense feelings of mourning are going to hit. They'll hit when they decide to hit. And so uh, just going through that process, even if you know the process is coming, Going through that process is very difficult and can make things tense. Some of you have gone through a divorce. And I can't even imagine how difficult that would be. You know, because you've established a, a family. You've established a relationship that you hope is going to last till death do us part. And then things get so sideways, things get so bad that somebody decides, or maybe you both decide, this just isn't working. And so... You end that relationship, and that has to be incredibly painful and even more difficult if you've got kids involved in that family. 
one source of stress that we've all had to, had to deal with is something that we probably never anticipated. Learning how to live during a pandemic. You know, and, and maybe it's not quite on the same level as some of the others, but we've all had to make adjustments. The social distancing, which nobody likes, the masks that nobody wants to wear, all of the, the danger, you don't know who's got it. You don't know if you're going to get infected by someone else. You don't know if you do get infected. Are you going to be one of the ones that has just a light symptoms, no symptoms, or is it going to kill you? You don't know. And so we've all had to adapt to this. Let me ask you about a few other transitions that you've had to go through, perhaps, in life. Many of us have gone through the transition of going from being single to being married. And that's a big one. That's a tough one for newlyweds, to learn how to live together, to learn whether the toothpaste should be squeezed from the bottom or from the middle. That's, that's the cause of some serious fights right there, you know? You know, and it still hadn't figured it out, right? So things like that, dealing with money, you never had to bother. When you were single, you never had to bother communicating with anyone else about money. And now you got to talk about money and bills and things like that. That's a, that's a big one right there. Some of you have had to go from being very healthy to literally fighting for your life. Now, when you're healthy, you don't give a second thought about your health. I mean, you, you think about your health. You try to take care of yourself. But your whole mindset and your focus every day isn't about how do I stay healthy. But when cancer hits, heart disease hits, that becomes a different animal right there. Because now you're really focused on doing the right things, on prolonging your life. And so that, that can be a major transition, a major source of stress. But there's one thing that every single one of us has gone through, a major transition bigger than all the others, and fortunately, perhaps, we don't remember it. But it's this. The transition of going from living in your mother's womb to living in this big, bad world. You think about that. Your entire existence for a number of months has been one where you exist within your mother's womb. It's all you know. That's all you know. In your mother's womb, you're safe. You're secure. You have every provision that you need. You're loved in your mother's womb. You even get the opportunity to experience some new things. If your mom drinks lemonade or eats a certain type of salsa... Maybe you really like it or maybe you really don't, but it might make you kick. And that host that you're in can feel it. And you get to know her voice and you hear these other voices. And then one day, it's time for you to enter in a brand new existence. And you're out of your mother's womb. This is a brand new world for you. And you know 
it has to be traumatic. It has to be stressful. Now listen, I'll tell you about all of these different transitions for this reason. I don't know what 2021 holds for you and for me. But as we leave this last year behind, I'm certain of one thing. There's one constant that you're going to have to deal with in this new year. And it's change. It's change. Now, we're Baptists, and we don't like change. But we're going to have to deal with it because change is coming. Whether we like it or not, Whatever 2021 holds for us, it's going to be somewhat different than 20, 2021 holds will be different than 2020. Hopefully it'll be different in a good way. But we just don't know. None of us knows what tomorrow holds. Now the Lord knows, but we don't. We don't know what the future holds other than it holds something a little bit different than today. I want you to imagine, if you will, that God has sprinkled clues in His Word, suggestions as to how we can be prepared for the transitions that we're going to face. God has given us His Word, and it is totally sufficient for anything that you might face this year. How do I know? Because God's Word doesn't talk about technology so much. It's not about the newest technology that we have now that we didn't have last year or that we didn't have 100 years ago. But the Word of God speaks to the human condition. The Word of God is, in, is eternal in that sense that no matter whether we live in 2021, 1921, or whether we lived in the year uh, 121, the Word of God speaks to us, and it prepares us, if we will pay attention to it, if we'll seek out these clues, seek out these suggestions, how we can be prepared for the transitions that we face. And who knows? Perhaps in some ways, we will transition back to the way things were before the pandemic. That would be good, wouldn't it? If we could sort of transition back to the way things Used to be the old normal, not the new normal, the old normal. But there's some new things that we're not going to go back to. We're going to, we're going to face some new, new things, and they're not all bad. They're not all bad. Just yesterday, Amy, my wife, got on her phone, went to the Target app, and she placed an order. And when she got a notification that her order was ready, she got back on the app and she told it, I'm on my way. By the time she got to Target, she parked in the special place. Someone came out with her order. She didn't have to wait at all. Do you know how many years I have been waiting to avoid going into Target? to get what I want. Oh, man. It took a pandemic, but that day has arrived. Now, I don't mean to make light of the pandemic because it's a bad thing. But I'm just saying, 
there are some new things coming, and they're not all bad. They're not all bad. And imagine this. What if one of the effects of this pandemic was to cause us to transition into becoming more biblical? Think about that. We get so set in our ways in church. We get so set in our ways as individual Christians that we just sort of think, well, this is the way the Christian life should be. What if God were to shake us a little bit through these transitions that we go through, and when things finally settle down, we end up in a spot where we are actually more biblical, both in church and in our individual lives, than we were before. Today we're beginning a new four-week series called Transitions. And in this series, we're going to look at four incidents in the Bible that a character went through, Four transitions that a character went through or four transitions that a group of people went through. We'll see what they faced. We'll see what characteristics they needed within them for that leg of their spiritual journey. And we'll see how God provided for them. And today, we're going to look quickly at a man by the name of Joshua. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. And this sermon is entitled, Resolute courage to move forward. In Joshua chapter 1, instead of reading this chapter, we'll sort of go through it together throughout this message. In Joshua chapter 1, I'll be reading from the new, or excuse me, the Christian Standard Bible, and we read in verses 1 and 2 these words, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Here's what the Lord said. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. Can you imagine what it would be like to be Joshua? And to have to follow a legend like Moses? To try to fill those shoes? Can you imagine the pressure that he must have been under? I mean, here's Moses. Go back and you think about everything Moses did. Moses put those ten plagues on Egypt, the water turning to blood and the frogs and the lice and the flies and the livestock, pestilence and the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness and the killing of the firstborn children, all of those things done at the hands of Moses. Moses led Israel to follow uh, the pillar of fire at night and the cloud of smoke during the day. Moses split the sea in two and led Israel to walk on the dry land, and, and Israel's army drowned. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. He came down from the mountain. He was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. How do you follow that? Good luck, Joshua, right? Well, here's how you follow that. First, you've got to have a proper understanding. Because you need to look at what it is behind the man that you are follow, following. You see, the power to do all those things that I just talked about was not in Moses. It was in the God of Moses. Moses didn't cause the ten plagues in Egypt. God did. Moses didn't provide a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. 
God did. Moses didn't split the sea in two so that Israel could walk on the dry land. God did that. Moses didn't drown Egypt's army. God did. Moses didn't write the Ten Commandments. God did. Literally. Moses didn't cause his face to shine like the sun. God did. And the same God that was with Moses will now be with Joshua. God says in verses 3 and 4, Joshua, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. You see, God made a promise to Moses, and God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. I don't know what 2021 has in store for you, but I do know this. God keeps his promises. He will keep every last one of them. God says to Moses in verse 5, and to Joshua rather in verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Perhaps the most important promise of God that you need to remember at this time is this. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will be with you. You know, when everyone else comes against you, when life itself comes against you, when circumstances come against you that are beyond your control, God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Who can stand against you? Paul wrote, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, God is on your side, period. Now, if God is on your side, how does that make you feel? What does that do for you in here? What does that do for you in here? You ought to feel bold. You ought to feel resolute. You ought to feel courageous. Not worried about what 2021 is going to bring. It doesn't matter what it brings. Because God, the eternal God, the same God of Moses, the same God of Joshua, the same God of King David, the same God of Abraham, He is with you too. He is with you. Verse 6, here's what God says to Joshua. Therefore, be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. God made a promise to Israel's ancestors, and now God is ready to fulfill it. For 40 years, God's been waiting to keep this promise. But now is the time that God says, I'm going to move. I'm going to fulfill this at this point in time. And you know, when God is ready to move, that is when we have to be ready to obey. We need to already be in a state of obedience 
when God is ready to move. Otherwise, we're going to get left behind and miss out on some of the promises. You know, we don't know when God is going to act. We don't know if God is going to bring a great revival to this land. I hope that He does. We don't know when or if that might happen. It might happen in our lifetime, but we need to be ready. We need to be people who are already obeying God. We must remain ready. How do you make yourself ready for the time in which God decides it is this time that I will move? You make yourself ready by living according to God's Word. That's it. That's not very difficult. This is exactly what God said to Joshua in verse 7. He said, above all, be strong and very courageous to do this. To observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction, right here, God says, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. There is a marked and vast difference between the person who decides to live his or her own way and the person who decides to live according to God's word. And let me say this, because I think most of us will fall into one of these next two categories. There is a difference between someone who obeys God's word when it seems like it's the best path and someone who obeys God's word at all times. There are Christians who, when they have nowhere else to turn, they'll finally open up God's word and they'll say, show me God how to live. There's a difference between that type of Christian and the Christian who says, I want every part of my life at all times to live according to your word. And they make themselves students of God's word so that they will know how to live at all times. The Lord made it clear to Joshua, if you want to receive God's promises, you need to observe carefully the whole instruction God has given. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. You must carefully observe everything written in it. Not some things, not your favorite verses, not a few things, not your favorite chapter, the love chapter. No, you need to carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. All right? So here's the score. Big picture. Number one, God makes a promise to never leave you or forsake you. Very simple to understand. Put that in your heart and in your soul. God made a promise to me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Okay, that's good news. Number two, God has given me clear instructions in His Word how I should live my life. How do I live my life? By living according to His Word. 
Okay? So, take those two things together. If God is on your side, and if you decide to be on God's side, you can't lose. The victory is yours, no matter what 2021 holds. No matter what comes up in your life, the victory is going to be yours. Why? Because God is on my side, and I'm living according to God's word, and I'm on his side. And so the victory is mine. And so if that's the reality, then don't be downcast. Lift up your face. I know we're still living in a pandemic. But the victory is ours. Because God is on our side. And we are on His side. So don't focus on your troubles. Don't focus on your problems. They exist. You're going to have to deal with them but rather put your focus on God. God says to Joshua in verse 9, Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that is all Joshua needed to hear. He needed some assurance moving into this new transition into this new phase of life, that he wasn't going to have to do this alone. He wasn't going to have to lead this nation, this nation that had no land, into their new phase of existence alone. But God said, I'm going to be with you. So be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Do everything that I say. Just be strong and courageous. And that's all Joshua needed to hear. And let me tell you something. That's all you need to hear. That's it right there. If knowing that God is on your side and He told you how to be on His side isn't enough to change your attitude and to make you ready for this next major transition in life, whether it happens today or tomorrow or this year or whenever, then nothing can make you ready. God said He is with you no matter what transition you have to go through. No matter what type of valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, that you have to go through, God is with you. And so Joshua, he was ready now. And now that he was prepared spiritually, he was also prepared to lead others. Joshua commanded the officers in verse 10. He commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you to inherit. I mean, Joshua, he's confident at this point. He has all of his trust in God. He is absolutely assured. He is very sure, not only of himself, but he's sure, most importantly, of God. Why? Because he's trusting in God. He believes what God said to him, and he's trusting in God. And now he has some instructions to the tribes that were going to remain on the east side of the Jordan River, the side that they were already on. Those tribes needed to help the others possess their land too, on the west side of the river. Verse 12 and 13, Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, The Lord your God will give you rest and he will give you this land? Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over in battle 
formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you. And they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses the Lord's servant gave you on the east side of the Jordan. And so Joshua, fully confident in the Lord, he's giving instructions to God's people. And this newfound confidence that Joshua has, it exudes, it penetrates the hearts of God's people. And now they are ready to respond. They answered Joshua in verse 16. Everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you, just as we obeyed Moses and everything. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. I love that. Because those were the commands that God gave to Joshua. And once they filled Joshua's heart and he commanded the people, those were the commands that filled their hearts too. Above all, they said, be strong and courageous. This was their battle cry. This was their motto. There is nothing that can stop God's people. When they believe, the gates of hell itself cannot stand against the onslaught of the people of God moving forward together in battle against the enemy. I don't know, as I've said before, what 2021 holds for your life. And I don't know exactly what 2021 holds for this church or for any other church. But I do know this, God is with us. God is on our side. And so we will do as he commands in his word. To the best of our ability, we will follow God's word to the smallest iota. And above all, we will be strong and courageous. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us this story of how you interacted with Joshua so many years ago, and that these promises you gave him are promises that we have today. Thank you, Father, for never abandoning us, never forsaking us, never allowing anything to separate us from the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for his finished work on the cross. We thank you, Father, that he paid for all of our sins. And Lord, we have wonderful fellowship with you because of what Jesus did. And Father, I pray that we might trust in the Lord Jesus more today than ever before. Thank you for being with us. Father, help us live according to your word and to be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.